Welcome to the Geek Geek Podcast, where you have questions, we probably have answers, we will find out very shortly. I'm Boyd, and I'm here with my co-host, Beige. I have no answers, I don't know what I'm doing. Well, we tried, guys, that's it, we're wrapping up for the yep, day. that's it, bye. <laughs> Today, um, we're talking about, well, we're talking about a bunch of things, it turns out. We asked you guys for any kind of questions, said ask us anything, and we will respond to most things, and I don't think we got a single question that we're not going to answer, so... Thanks for sending us questions. Or at least we try to. to do kind of an evergreen episode because we're going to take a week off for Thanksgiving. You guys are probably uh, executive decision. I think I want to release this Wednesday night before Thanksgiving so that you that guys can make a lot of sense. Listen to it before or after Thanksgiving because that can be stressful. Sometimes you just need to de-stress with us and listen to us talk for an hour. Um, we so get... as you're traveling to your family or traveling from your family, then you know, listen to us talk about stuff and being happy exactly okay we got to get into questions because we have a lot um so some questions on preference from a data error who's frequent contributor all over the place um kirk or picard okay you go first i gotta know oh picard that's okay I, i didn't watch enough of the original series to really get invested in kirk so i i like the next generation a lot more so picard Although I really like the movie version of Kirk, but if I have to pick one, I'm just, yeah, the new movies, the new movies. Um, If I have to pick one, I'm going to say Picard. Every day. I love Picard. Yeah. I hated, I hate, I hate Kirk now because of knowing that Shatner is Shatner and how badly he treat. I read an essay by Will Wheaton on how badly he was treated by Shatner on the movie set of generations. And I was like, I'm done. Shatner is the worst. I I don't care about him at all, and I'll never like Kirk because of it. And Chris Pine made me like Kirk as a character, but I still can't do I can't separate Shatner from him. So Picard for you also. Picard, okay. yep. Favorite comic book hero and why? This is one of the few questions on here that I didn't have a good answer for. I think <laughs> if I have to pick, um, my favorites that I lean towards are like Spider-Man, Batman, but mm-hmm. I, I'm not like deep enough into comic books to really have like one favorite character that I can point to and be like, yeah, I identify with that guy or that girl. Um, So yeah, that's my cop out, I guess, Spider-Man, probably. (laughs) And so for you guys who have listened to our comic book episode, uh, Pot-a-Man, Pot-a-Man, I love Pot-a-Man. It's, uh, he's always been my favorite. He's a smart guy. He, He holds down a regular job. He legitimately cares about his family and loves them. He's just ordinary. And that's what I really like about him. Uh, I just, I like that. I think you could be friends with Peter Parker and he seems like a pretty cool guy to hang out with. The comic book Peter Parker, not necessarily the movie ones. (laughs) Yeah, that's a very mixed bag once you get to the movie ones. Um, Favorite Pokemon? Dragonite. He's a dragon. You know, I never, I've never gotten a Dragonite in any Pokemon I've played. So, you know, he's like the, the one i'm gonna go for but he's a dragon how can you not like him he is pretty much a straight up dragon um for me it's always Mm -hmm. gonna be bulbasaur bulbasaur was my Uh first pokemon and he holds a special place in my heart um every time i get a bulbasaur i just assume it's my bulbasaur uh he's (laughs) well he i don't know why you're laughing he he comes back to me he's my bulbasaur he is he comes back to me in very many pokemon games um his name is balby and he's a Bulbasaur, because why would you name it Bulbasaur or anything besides Bulby? It's obviously you. the best name. And he ha- he keeps coming back to me ever since I was a kid. Like, you know, 10 when I was playing, like, Pokemon Red. I mean, Bulby's just, he's my guy, you know? So so was Bulby. I catching Bulby whenever Pokemon Go came? I was like, honey, I can't find the Bulbasaur. Was that Bulby? No, why would he go Aww. to you? 
He comes to me. I don't know me. because I'm awesome. No, he's my Pokemon. He's not yours. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> you made me snore. <laughs> wow. Um, okay, a less obvious one. Share a funny and or adorable anecdote from your family life, and they say they mean it in the most uncreepy way as possible. They just like listening to people talk about their everyday lives. Okay, I want to... You go first. Um. Okay, I... I was trying to think of one. I have like a million stories with my kids, but they all kind of just blend together in my mind because I'm a parent and I don't sleep enough. So I'd actually like think for a while. And when my son was two, two and a half, maybe we went to a pumpkin patch. We try to do that every year. And there's this big pumpkin on the ground. And I told him to go pick it up. I was like, do you think you could pick that up? And he was like, looked at it determinedly and he goes over and he straight i've never seen him put as much effort into anything as he's put into lifting this pumpkin guys and so he's straining to lift up this pumpkin and he just can't do it because he's two and a half and it's giant and he just goes oh too heavy and so <laughs> from then on in my family if anything is too heavy we we just say is that too heavy for you and my kids get it and my wife gets it. So we don't really use the word heavy. We use the word heavy because my son is adorable. That is that is adorable. And that actually reminded me. I'm, a, I'm changing mine from what I had written down because that reminded me. My nephew, and he's going to love hearing this years from now, he, he had a really hard time pooping when he was a, a much younger kid. He was probably two years old. A lot of kids go through this where they're scared to poop. And we were doing, the entire family was together trying to get him to go to the bathroom and just couldn't do it. And at one point, I was like, what? Come on, Riley, you want to do something? Do you, you know, he, we were like, do you want to poop on the tree? And he was like, yeah. Do you want, do you want Uncle, you want Uncle BJ to go poop on the tree? I'll poop on the tree if you'll come poop on the tree. And he just looked at me and the most serious face probably went, do it. <laughs> and so every time something happens in our family, kind of like it's too heavy for us, Jennifer and I will just look at each other and go, do it. Wow. And because it was, that's what he wanted us to do. It was like, he wanted me to go poop on that tree. That's amazing. Okay. Moving do on to it. fuzzy cow 24s questions. Um, greatest gaming achievement. Uh, mine would probably be unlocking a Jedi in star Wars galaxies that I hologrinded through the entire thing. And I had to make a decision on whether before they changed into the, uh, the NGE, when they changed the entire uh, way the game was played, that, I was going to either have to go on vacation with my friends and have this big group trip or stay behind and finish out my Jedi before they change the game. And I made the decision to go with my friends. And, you know, that, you know, y'all have to realize that this was six months of my life that I was, I was, you know, giving up to go hang out with my buddies. And so I ended up finishing the Jedi, like with the day I came home, uh, from the massive amount of, of progress I had toward the new system. But I still feel like I had unlocked the Jedi in the old way because I'd spent six months working on it and then had like an hour or two in the new system. So I unlocked a Jedi the hard way in Star Wars Galaxies. Sweet. I played through the entire Final Fantasy series in order. That is by far my greatest gaming achievement. Um, I don't count Final Fantasy 11 because it's online and you can't beat it really. And I don't like right. that game at all. But I, I played all the single player mainline Final Fantasy games. And then I also played Final Fantasy 14 at the end of it. Yeah. So that's I, what I was about to say. You even played it through the main story. Yeah. So with it. 
yeah so i beat all of them and it gave me this greater context for the series and it made me love the series even more than i did already and it was really interesting to go back because i hadn't actually played like one through six i had played seven and above so i wasn't sure how it was gonna go and i'm so glad that i did it i I love the final fantasy series i loved doing that playthrough and i'm super excited for final fantasy 15 which when this episode comes out it should be out like later that week or the next week? yeah within just a couple of days yeah yeah so um and those of you who want to know more about that and his playthrough there are three final fantasy episodes uh in the archive so you should go check that out too if you want more details on that yes those were fun to do um greatest physical achievement oh i see greatest uh, gaming achievement now greatest physical achievement and my physical achievement i lost 155 pounds i mean i don't see how that's not mine of losing half my body weight and an entire person that's mine. Yeah. For me, it was um, running my first mile under 12 minutes. Yeah. And it was this, um, I I have allergies and I have asthma, and my allergies trigger my asthma, and exercise also doesn't help mm-hmm. it at all, because usually I'm exercising outside. And um, a 12-minute mile was this just roadblock for me forever, like for years, years and years and years, and some i eventually broke through it like um there's no big one moment that like i pushed super hard to get it it was like this slow steady improvement of my physical health until i got to the point where i could run a mile under 12 minutes and my overall pace when i do longer runs now is right around 12 minutes which makes me still feel good but if i push yeah. it i can get that first mile down to like 10 minutes i think the the shortest i've ever done is like a nine minute mile which was crazy for me um i know that's not crazy for other people who are like professional runners but for me like getting under 12 minute mile for the first time was just it was it was amazing yeah that's awesome i that's where the 10 minute mile was for me that was the first solid mile i ever ran was on a treadmill at 10 minutes and i did i was ready to die because of my asthma i should not have run it at 10 minutes i should have been doing it at 12 but i was like goodness gracious i'm getting this and then i was done for the day but i'd push through and hit that milestone so i know what that feels like that that like i said i should have been at the 12 minute mark that day but i was like i do to myself and hurt myself so that's awesome i'm moving on to Jaden 89 favorite book or series oh man um probably the stormlight archive at this point like i don't get excited for books like i have for that one or the dresden files like i am all in on dresden and i read i think i read the first nine of them in like four weeks or something like that and I've waited every year for them to come out. Like I love the Dresden Files books and Brandon Sanderson's Stormlight Archive is just, it gets me. It, it's like my soulmate. So I have to go with it probably. One of those two. Those are both really good and they would be near the top of my list if I were making a list of favorite series. But if I have to pick one, which is what they're asking me to do here, yeah. um, I have to pick the King Killer Chronicle. It is Patrick uh, Rothfuss. It starts with The Name of the Wind and then Wise Man's Fear is book two. Book three isn't out yet, but it will be eventually. And it is the only series that I regularly go back and listen to, and it continually gets better every time I reread it or re-listen to it on Audible. And I, I just love it. I love the King Killer Chronicles. It's so good. Yeah. Um, what music are you into? Hamilton? Um, Hamilton is essentially all I've listened to this year since you got me to listen to it. Um, Yay. Honestly. But I also, for the most part, 
90s radio is on there because I've become that adult who all I listened to is what was popular when I was a, a teenager. So 90s radio and early 2000s stuff. But at that point, it's emo and gangster rap. Like, I really, really like emo and gangster rap. That's where I was in college. So, you know, Dashboard Confessional, Alkaline Trio, uh, Say Anything, Saves the Day, and then Lil Wayne and things along that line. Nos and... Uh, uh, I loved T-Pain at the time, uh, just everything like that. Those were what I did in college, so that's what I listened to. I also yeah. like Mumford & Sons. <laughs> so for, for me, it's also Hamilton um, is the main thing I've listened to this year for music. Uh, the thing is, I don't really search for new music at all. I never have. Yeah. Even when I was like a teenager in college, like when you're supposed to be really into music, I wasn't. I mean, I would listen to music, but I, I didn't like search it out and really get into any one band for the most part i listen to yeah. a lot of um like stuff that's on in my playlist that i just i add to every once in a while but like um techno music and like dance music you know what i mean like that genre yeah. of it uh things like that like almost club music kind of just like with a really driving beat i i do a lot of that when i'm writing or coding things like that and then um things like i don't even know the genre anymore what is classified as but i guess it would be kind of like like pop rock like alt maybe from when i was a teen i'm I'm thinking like fallout boy like yeah. it's kind of a little bit emo maybe but not quite um fallout boy is probably my favorite band if i have to pick a band so i still listen to fallout boy a lot but there i are, do too i really like fallout okay. boy there are a bunch of other bands like in that vein from that time period that i also listen to yeah probably my favorite song to run to is immortals by fallout boy Oh, that's a good one. That's newish too. Cool. Yeah, it's new. So Mac, Windows, or Linux? All of them. Um, Windows for gaming, obviously. Uh, Macs for work. Uh, I've got the new MacBook 15 on its way right now. It was shipped from Shanghai, China yesterday as of this recording. And Linux is actually my main install on my desktop because it keeps me away from games and lets me get uh, work done uh, while I'm until I get you know a good laptop to be able to work at home. Yeah, I also say yes to all. Um, I do Windows as my main like media center for the house and my gaming PC, which is a nice big tower PC that I built myself desktop. Um, Mac that I use for work. And then Linux, I use Linux on servers for a bunch of work that I do for clients when I'm yeah. actually like remote connecting into a server. Um, servers all basically run on Linux like not all of them, but most of them when you're doing web most, development. Yeah. Yeah. Um, other podcasts that you would recommend? Um, I don't listen to nearly as many as you do, but the three that I pretty much listen to consistently are Code Newbie. I really like Code Newbie. It uh, talks a lot about you know breaking into the software industry. Um, I really like 10% Happier with Dan Harris. Uh, I've talked at length about that one. Uh, go check it out. And then Happier with Gretchen Rubin is probably my favorite. It's just a... It talks about tiny ways to make yourself happy during the day, and I just love it. I've picked up a lot of just daily hints from it, and I can honestly say that when they were talking about the love languages on on there a while back, that it helped make my marriage better. They put it in a completely different way than we had used it when we first got married, and it improved my marriage by having that podcast explain it to me differently. 
Ooh, love languages. Sorry, tangent. I know we're trying to get through questions quick. If you are in a relationship and you haven't ever looked up love languages, go Google that because it's super fascinating and super useful. Um, it is. For me, for podcasts, I am literally subscribed to like 50 plus. I might be close to 60 right now. And not all of them update every week. Some of them are every other week. But a couple of my... Okay, there's one that I'm going to recommend above every other podcast I listen to because it's the one I get most excited for. But before that, I'm going to pick a couple, just like two, from the bottom of my list. And the way that it's organized in the app is that anything at the bottom means you've been subscribed for the longest. So Mm. the two that I've been subscribed to the longest that I listen to every single week are Radio Free Nintendo. Radio Free Nintendo is like the best Nintendo podcast out there. And they make me laugh consistently they're great guys um i talk to them on twitter a lot because they're active and they're just really interesting to listen to if you like nintendo games and nintendo systems and you want a constant drip feed of nintendo every single week go listen to radio free nintendo it's rfn and it's from nintendoworldreport.com i think is their website i don't really do the site but i do the podcast the other one that is right above that so second most or longest subscribed to is shut up and sit down shut up and sit down i talked about a lot in the board game episode they do fantastic board game review videos and they do lots of good content on their site but their podcast is also fantastic so if you have any interest in board games check out shut up and sit down okay with those two out of the way the one that i am the most excited about every single time it comes out is the adventure zone it is my favorite podcast no question hardcore history might give it a run for its money but i don't think so i think the adventure zone is just clear clearly the winner for me the adventure zone is a live play DD podcast but it's done by three brothers and their dad and if you listen to a lot of podcasts you probably have stumbled on one of their podcasts it's the mcelroy family so if you've listened to any of their things like my brother my brother and me um rose buddies there's the etiquette show with travis travis there's sawbones with sydney and justin there's like they have a ton of podcasts but this is the one where the three brothers all come together with their dad and they play DD. and it's my favorite narrative that i've ever listened to like wow yeah i mean including audiobooks and stuff and this is like this is such a good narrative and they tell a story and i've tried to listen to a lot of let's play like DD podcasts because i find DD interesting and a lot of them devolve into lots of combat and lots of in jokes that you don't understand and a lot yes. of guys around a table being immature and drinking and this is not that um, the first couple episodes are kind of feel like vanilla D&D, and then they find their own. And by the time they finish that first arc, you have a taste for what is going to come. And then every single story, like mini story arc after that, it just grows into this amazing adventure. And that is the one I look forward to the most. It comes out every other Thursday. And so every time it's a right Thursday, my I got my wife hooked on it too. So when every time it's Thursday, we text each other and say, is it right Thursday or wrong Thursday? Because right Aww. Thursday is the Adventure Zone Thursday. So if you are not listening to the Adventure Zone, I highly, highly, highly recommend it. The thing is, don't judge it on the first two or three episodes even. they He has a bunch of mini story arcs that contribute to a big epic story arc that they're still in the middle of so at least finish the first arc of the story and you can tell based on like the titles of them and yeah yeah the adventure zone highly highly recommend it sorry this question took much longer than all the others because i love podcasts Um, (laughs) no how did you two meet and decide to podcast together 
Um, the interwebs. Yeah, the internet. Um, I honestly wish that I could remember which blog it was on. Um, I know that I've looked back at comments on Geek Fitness, and I know you were there with it from the very beginning. And I know that we knew each other before that, like when it was Professor Beach was my was my blog. But I'm pretty sure we met. I know we met on somebody else's and on Twitter. But I don't remember which one it was. Like it may have been BioBreak with Sip. I just, I just can't remember. I think um. So I think we talked about this before. But there's so there was a group of people that all blogged and like cross post and stuff, and we were part of that. So it was when in the days right. of Google Reader when there were more communities built in blogs because social media wasn't really a thing quite yet. And then as social media grew, we kind of moved over to Twitter. So, I mean, we talked a ton on Twitter after that, but I think we started out just kind of like commenting on each other's blogs and like yeah. not even cross-posting, but almost like response posting to some topics and stuff. But yeah, yeah I mean, kind of like the YouTube videos, yeah. like in response to this, it was just, you know, with text, which was even nerdier. Yeah, yeah. So the internet and then podcasting together. Um, I think both of us had ideas for podcasts kind of in the back of our heads. And I finally got to a point where I had some free time and I reached out and asked you if you'd ever thought of a podcast and you, and you were kind of like, yeah, I just never thought I would pull the trigger. <laughs> Wasn't yeah, it was something really. like that, right? Yeah. And it was really funny to me too, is because I'd thought about asking you to do this because you were one of the, the people I communicated with the most on the internet and knew that everything that we did lined up. And I'd been bouncing it around in my head probably for two months before you're the one you brought it up that I was like, I should ask him whenever, you know, things calm down just a little bit. And then one day I got a Twitter private message. I was like, Hey, buddy. And it was like, Oh, perfect. This is like serendipity. Yeah, I think um, I had been seriously thinking, well, I'd been thinking about it for a couple years ever since I started listening to podcasts. I was like, I want to do that someday and make them because I know that I have the technical skills. I just need the right partner. And then um, probably about six months before we started is when I seriously started thinking about who would be a good partner to do this with. And you were on an extended break from Twitter. And it was when right. you came back to Twitter and I saw you show up in the timeline. I was like, why didn't I think of him before? And then I reached out to you right away and it ended up happening. So it worked out really well. So um, yay. I know, right? Yay. So Penny Pretty asks, if you could point to one geeky thing you wish more people knew about because you love it or it's a positive thing for you, what would it be? I don't know. I have thought about this so hard and I keep thinking of all the things that I love. Like, you know, I keep thinking of Battlestar Galactica and I keep thinking of of just different shows and movies and I don't really know what i would what i would point people toward because i really can't decide on that so much has honestly changed my life that i i don't i really couldn't say that just thinking about it for as long as we have it's just i really don't know what is that's okay there's there's a couple questions i don't have answers for either but yeah, i do I don't have know one for on this. this one um so child's play um if you've never heard of child's play it's a charity that the penny arcade guys started but these days it's grown so far outside of penny arcade like they're still related to it and i think they still kind of manage child's play from afar but it's its own whole thing now child's play is a charity that gets games and gaming equipment and a lot of video games but also board games and things and it gets them to children in hospitals who need them and it's it's like 
any it's different wards and sometimes it's like a whole children's hospital sometimes it's a kid's ward of a hospital or like very specialty center whatever it's anywhere the kids would be staying in a hospital for an extended amount of time and just need to kind of escape a little bit they get them video games and board games and just games and i think that's a very worthwhile cause that's directly tied to geekery and like the geeky things that I love. So that's the charity that I always try to donate to every year. So yeah, if you ever see like streams that are supporting child's play, or if you just feel like donating a couple bucks, five bucks or 10 bucks, child's play is just a great charity. That's kind of geeky and kind of tie it to your passion. Yeah. And for a long time, I looked at child's play actually with a little bit of, of disdain and, and and I'll tell you why is because it wasn't like actively trying to cure anything. It wasn't going out and like you could take that money and apply it to research to solve whatever these children have. And then the more I thought about child's play is that it fits almost perfectly with my like the paradigm that I've moved myself into of the idea of just making life better of of making it so that you're you're being kind to other people that you're making every moment count really and those kids who are sitting there sick their lives are better because they can take their minds off of being sick that it is kind and compassionate to be able to provide joy to those kids and it's such a wonderful cause when i look at it that way from the the kind of cynical view that i've the world view that i had years ago and have moved into this kind of kindness and compassionate mindset of working toward you know that kind of joy bringing joy to children no matter what it is is that's worthwhile yeah yeah i I really like that charity um so chocobo chica says if you could meet any one person alive or dead fictional or real who would it be um for me tying into what i just said actually joseph goldstein would probably be it um i've talked at length about 10 percent happier with dan harris and i cannot tell you how much meditation and mindfulness and 10 percent happier itself honestly has changed my life and joseph goldstein is the meditation teacher that taught dan how to do all of this stuff and i subscribe to the 10 percent happier app to be able to keep getting meditations and guided meditations and videos and things like that. And the reason is because Joseph Goldstein has made a difference. He's the teacher who does a lot of these. And if I could meet someone right now, I would thank him for being there and doing this and honestly being the one who started it and and moved forward with Dan, the Dan Harris, that I would, it has changed the way that I view the world. It is listening to him has changed the way I view myself and listening to him has changed the way I look at other people and being introduced to Buddhism and the tenets of, of Zen Buddhism and mindfulness. He specifically, having never met him and listened to some of his Buddhist talks, he has one on Audible called Abiding in Mindfulness and just things like this. He has changed my life on an emotional and spiritual level, and I would just like to shake his hand. Nice. I don't have anything that impactful. I just, I this was one that I had a lot of trouble um, coming yeah. up with anybody for, but I think probably President Bartlett from the West Wing. Um, I I really like the West Wing a lot, and I think he'd be, he'd be fascinating to sit down and have a conversation with. Basically, what's the most unusual thing that either of us believe? Conspiracy theories, aliens, flying spaghetti monsters, whatever. Um, 
I'm a really big conspiracy theorist. Uh, I I want to believe in everything. Like I'm not the modern anti-government Illuminati kind of conspiracy theorist. I'm the Fox Mulder kind of conspiracy theorist. That that I approach the world with a bright with bright eyes and a sense of wonder. And if something is fantastical and lovely and and could be out there. I'm there. I'm all in. I want to believe in stuff. So I I'm all about aliens. Like one of the first things I ever wrote as a kid was an essay on aliens for my dad. Like space is just too big for there not to be any kind of other life out there. That that we it, it is statistically impossible. And so for some kind of life and like I believe in all of this stuff. I don't necessarily know that anything has been here because that's a awfully uh, uh, egocentric and and of us, but who knows? Like, I'm all about thinking that there are other civilizations out there and that there's a whole lot more than we are aware of. I believe in multiverses and all of this stuff and, and a unifying energy among people. So, uh, yeah, that's me. That's, I'm, that's my weirdness. I don't really have anything. <laughs> I mean, I, I guess you saying that, yeah, I believe that there's probably other life out there. There, I don't think that there could not right. be. But beyond that, like... I don't know. Like I, I don't like to. <laughs> there's no, there's no concrete evidence. I don't like to lock down and say this thing is for sure this or for sure yeah. not that. Like it's just not the kind of person that I am. So I don't, I don't really have anything. I'm sorry. This is one of the ones I didn't have a good answer for. Um, tell us something you might, you think might be embarrassing. Let's get real. And oh, she says she's 29, and when I'm sick, I sleep with my childhood teddy bear. That's adorable. Um, I talk about poop a lot. Poop and butts. Um, that like literally those words. Like I don't know why Jennifer and I will sing songs and replace the words with poop or butts, like uh, Disney songs, like a whole new butt, things like that. Um, <laughs> I'm not allowed to do that in public very often. Yeah, I'm not. Road trips get fun. I bet. Okay, um, <laughs> I'm not really embarrassed by things. Um, I used to be. But I'm yeah, not used to now. be alone. I mean, I'm, I'm like thirty, and it's not even the the age. I think it was when I became a parent, and it kind of puts you into people. People, when I turned thirty, people are like, "Are do you are you having an existential crisis? Are you okay? Like, does it feel like the whole world's falling apart? Like, you know, people start to question. Hey, I'm thirty, and like, this is where I am in the world, and is this what I really want to be doing with my life? And what is life? And like all these things. I had that when I became a parent, right? And we had yeah. our kids when I was like 23 for our first kid. And you kind of go through, oh, I'm in charge of another human. And what does adulthood mean and all that kind of thing. And after that, after you get over that phase of life about like realizing that everyone is just winging it and that no one actually knows what's going on. It, I don't know. I just I don't feel embarrassed. I don't feel embarrassed about things anymore. Like I like what I like. I don't like what I don't like. Um, I'm not embarrassed by who I am or what I do or things around me like i you know i just embrace the things that i love and i'm fine with it so i yeah i don't have anything i'm sorry <laughs> i'm sorry that was a really good question and i don't have a good answer for it um no but i i think that's a really good thing for us to talk about here i mean the idea of being embarrassed by things that we like was something that probably every listener here has dealt with at some point in our lives and it's it's something that as I've moved into adulthood, I'm not making excuses for things I like anymore. It's like, yeah, this is who I am. If you don't want to be around me, you don't have to be around me. But I'm going to sit and I'm going to play Overwatch.
couch for a while, or I'm going to play Hearthstone on the toilet, or I'm going to sit in, you know, sit on my couch on a day off and binge Mr. Robot and wish I was a hacker. And that's who I am. That's what I love. And I'm not going to, I'm not going to be embarrassed by that. I think part of it is being genuine with yourself too. Like when you're talking to other yeah. people about the things you like, if you don't act embarrassed, if you just, this is what I do and I like it, they respond mm-hmm. in kind, you know, even if it's like, if you're in your workplace, if you don't talk to people about video games because you think they're going to think less of you, if you come to it and just be like, oh yeah, I like video games. I've been playing this. Have you been playing anything? Like it doesn't have to be a big thing, right? If it's just part of you and what you like, um, a huge part of it is just how you approach it and how you deal with uh-huh. other people for what they like or don't like, you know, if they don't like the things you're into, that's fine. You don't have to be mean about it. You know, you don't have to be exclusionary. Like, yeah, yeah, that's probably a bigger discussion, though. Um, it is. And actually, that there's a tangent I want to tell one story about right here. But my old boss was a botanist. And he was also an administrator. He was the academic dean of my college. And he he was always – he, he is a, a great human being. I love talking to him, but he's very gruff and intimidating. And it was always so funny that when you got him on the subject of flowers, anything about flowers, his eyes would light up and he would smile more than you ever saw him doing it. And he would just start nerding out on all of these different things about all these different flowers. And it's like you don't think a six and a half half foot tall mustached guy who scares everybody on campus because he's so intimidating and has a deep gruff voice is going to just nerd out about flowers and it's like it's what he loved man and it was just wonderful to watch him get excited about it so people like that when you are not embarrassed by what you like other people really will like that about you yeah yeah for sure so i that's actually a really good topic that we should probably come back to and do an episode about. That's so true. We'll put a note in to talk about this more. Um, but for more questions and answers for today, if you could eat only one thing for the rest of your life and nutritional content wasn't a factor, what would it be? Funfetti cake. Funfetti cake out of a box with canned Funfetti icing. Jennifer and I ate an entire Funfetti cake yesterday. We made it the night before and it was gone by in, within 24 hours. The entire cake was gone. It was so good. I didn't care about nutritional content one bit. It was delicious. See, you embrace what you love. That's perfect. Um, I would pick bread no question fresh (laughs) fresh bread is like the best food known to man and that is followed closely closely by chocolate which if i'm addicted to anything in life it is chocolate so bread and chocolate um leschleck asks i think these are kind of more for me because i don't think you've played most of these but curious to hear about overwatch versus battlefield one versus Ah. titanfall two do you have anything to weigh in or should i just take these couple i I like overwatch a bunch i've been playing it a lot lately turning off all of the chats and then just playing a sniper and knowing that the rest of my team is getting mad at me um because i'm having fun but i've been playing overwatch a whole lot lately yeah i'm guessing the question here is kind of about multiplayer where I've, i've talked a lot about my single player campaign so i'll ignore that for now in terms of multiplayer um the best bang for my buck is overwatch i think overwatch is fantastic and it's one of my evergreen games now i'm playing it consistently although it's not the only thing i play i do go back to it at least once a week if not two or three or four times a week between other games that i'm playing um battlefield one if you have a group of friends that plays games together at the same time every night and you could consistently get a squad of like four or five people battlefield one would be amazing i just don't have that so it's not a good fit for me and then titanfall 2 is um 
I don't know. It, it's cool. If you want giant robots shooting at each other, besides that, it's a lot like Call of Duty. I mean, if you played a Call of Duty game, the multiplayer in Titanfall 2 is not that different. It's from a team that used to make Call of Duty games, and it's very evident as soon as you play it. The, the main thing that's different is that you can call down giant robots from the sky to fight each other, which is cool, but the novelty wears off for me pretty fast, and then it just feels like Call of Duty again. So that's kind of my thoughts between those three. They also say... I'd like to hear your opinions of Civ 6 and Dragon Quest Builders. Okay, I can do that. So Civ 6 is a civilization game, and it's still a civilization game. And um, if you like civilization and you want more civilization, go get Civ 6. That's kind of my overall thought about it. Uh, Beyond that, I think that Civ 6 is the best starting point they've ever had. I mean, if you've paid attention to the last few Civ games, they start in a spot and then they add a bunch of like DLC and uh, expansion packs and stuff like that onto it and the games get better over time. I think that this is in a much better place than Civ 5 was or Civ 4 was when it first started out. Now if you compared Civ 6 out of the box right now to Civ 5 with like every expansion that you could possibly buy, then Civ 5 might still win out, but I think long term Civ 6 is going to be better. And then Dragon Quest Builders, I tried Dragon Quest Builders, Um, I did the demo, and it was interesting. It's kind of like Minecraft with more objectives, which I liked a lot, but uh, in the end it wasn't quite my thing. I mean, I I don't know, if you like Minecraft and you also like doing kind of a, it's not even a JRPG adventure, kind of, a little bit. If you like doing adventuring along with your building, then it might be for you. Do you have any thoughts on those, Beast? I haven't played any of those. Uh, okay. I've, I keep meaning to pick up Dragon Quest Builders, and I just haven't downloaded the demo for it, but I think I might like it for a few minutes. It's kind of like Minecraft, where I like the idea of these games, and then the actual playtime, I'm like, yeah, I don't really like this very much. It's better in theory, and then I move on to something else. Yeah. Okay, so... Uh... M. Hardegree asks, you've mentioned your interest in Brandon Sanderson's books. Which books of his have you read and which are your favorites, specifically Cosmere books? And then also the follow-up question, what do you hope to see from the Cosmere in the future? And what other Cosmere thoughts in general do you have? So if you guys don't know, the Cosmere, um, Brandon Sanderson has his books kind of divided into non-Cosmere and Cosmere. Um, The non-Cosmere ones are all standalones. They're all separate from everything else. The Cosmere books all take place in the same universe or something they're all interconnected but we don't at really know multiverse how at least yeah he hasn't explained how yet but he said that all of these books are related even though every series feels totally different from the other mm-hmm. ones so coming from that i mean we did just talk about books a couple weeks ago and i think we got this question before then so we don't have to go super deep into sanderson but i like his books a lot i mean i guess let's answer the cosmere part what do you think about that because we didn't talk about that in the other episode i absolutely love the idea of the cosmere that's one of the things that that made me stick with a lot of his stuff it's why i like the stormlight archive so much like i mentioned earlier and it's that's what i love about fantasy series and stuff like that in general is stephen king's dark tower is the same way where it ties in all of his other books and and gives them all a central hub literally of 
kind of connectivity there, this kind of central nexus. And that's what I like about the Cosmere is this idea of everything existing together and tying together where I want to read everything. I want to know everything about it. So I'm, I cannot wait to see where he goes with it. And I don't know where he's going to go with it. I don't know what I want out of it. I just want to know more that, that my only thought on where I want it to go is just give me more specifics instead of breadcrumbing it out like this, Brandon Sanderson. Gimme, gimme, gimme. Yeah, I, I think I'm just kind of waiting to see what the payoff is because he hasn't actually tied them together yet in any way that a reader would notice. I mean, maybe he's doing mm-hmm. things that we don't know and will become evident looking back on it. But I, I, right now, I'm just kind of waiting. I'm waiting to see what it leads to. But it has some potential because the books included are really good. Um, yeah, they are. Ava N asks, what's your favorite gaming slash TV music? Uh, for me, it's just Final Fantasy and Star Wars. Yeah, I don't have a lot to expand on. Final Fantasy and Star Wars are my favorite ones that fall into that category. Yeah, I mean, those are pretty much the only things I listen to in terms of game music and like movie scores. John Williams, I suppose, and then Final Fantasy is it. That's the only things I've ever put on specifically to listen to from movie scores or video game scores. Final Fantasy specifically is the only game score I've ever listened to just as music. Cool. Time Travel Marty asks, if you could time travel to any period, ooh, very fitting with your username, what time would you go to and why? Uh, The end of time. I want to know everything. I want to know the end of it all. Everything, whenever the universe goes into heat death and and entropy is taken over, I want to see what happens. If I could do, if I could know what happens to the universe at the, you know, the last moment of existence, I'd want to see it. Nice. I would go to the future. I would not go to the past because I can just read about that in history books. Um, Unless I could go to the very ancient past and stay completely invisible and just kind of observe. But I wouldn't want to. I don't think I'd ever want to go to the past and interact, but I would love to go to the future and see what happens. End of time. Now that you mention it, that sounds interesting. But I think just kind of any future that's far enough ahead where we would really see changes in the human race would be very, very interesting to me. Um, What is your favorite episode of Star Trek? any series and this is one of the ones i don't have an answer for i've watched most of star trek but i could not for the life of me pick out one episode i'm sorry but i know bj has an answer i can the inner light in star trek the next generation it is season five episode 25 it is by far the best episode at least in my opinion of the next generation or really any star trek series it is the most meaningful it doesn't feel like a star trek episode that if you have if you're the kind of person who doesn't like star trek because it is star trek and y'all know what i mean when i say that if it's too star trekky for you watch the inner light because it is it is about Picard gets knocked out, and when he wakes up, he is on a planet as a different person and trying to get back to the Enterprise and eventually finds out that he can't and then lives his life there. And it is brilliant, it is poignant, and it makes me sad to think about, as well as incredibly hopeful and jealous that he got to do this. So you guys should def. I'm not going to spoil it and what all happens, but you guys need to watch the inner light so i can't remember if the next generation is streaming anywhere but it is the 25th episode of season five and i do think it is the best episode the most well written and well acted just well put together the most literary ver- uh episode of star trek that exists um last time i checked the entire like almost all of star trek is on netflix so you guys could look there okay um have either of you met any of your personal heroes who were they and how did you meet nope 
Mm-mm. No. Not a one. Okay, that one's easy. Also, because I'm obsessed with them, favorite spaceships from any show, movie, game, anything. I know that you don't have anything written, so I'm going to go first. Um, go right ahead. For me, it, it would be something from Star Wars, for sure, just because it would let me live in that world. And I love Star Wars. Like, that universe is just very special to me. Um, I, I like other spaceships, things like Serenity and stuff, but um, if I have to pick one, the Millennium Falcon maybe i don't know i would probably pick a bigger ship from the star wars universe something with a little bit more living space than that but the millennium falcon is pretty cool if you're asking me which one like what spaceship gets me most excited to see it like in video games or on screen or in movies or shows the x-wing there's something about the like just the iconic look of an x-wing especially in a movie that just does it for me like in the rogue one trailers that we've seen come out all of those x-wing shots they just like they make me happy, but they also feel epic in a way that I can't quite describe. Yeah, it's true. The X-Wing is super fun to watch. Um, probably my favorite may actually be the Battlestar Galactica. That it's one... Have you watched it? I can't remember if you said you've watched BSG or not. Yeah, I watched all of it. Okay, that's one that that as you've watched that series... It becomes as much of a character as anything else, a lot like the Serenity and the Millennium Falcon. But the Battlestar, but but Galactica itself just feels so so comfortable, so lived in that I, I don't know. I really really like the Galactica. Like I feel bad when something bad happens to the ship. So I love the Galactica. Okay, Contaminator asks or says, part question, part recommendation. Do either of you like steampunk? Have you heard of the Leviathan series? They would recommend it because it's an interesting world. And their one sentence description is a World War One setting where steampunk and nature face off. So I'm going to go first because I will set up your answer. Um, I've, right. I've read The Cinder Spires by Jim Butcher, which it was okay. It's his own twist on it, so it's not quite straight-up steampunk. Um, I'm, I'm more excited for the second book in that series, but we talked a little bit about that more in our reading episode a few episodes back. You can go back and right. listen to that. Besides that, I haven't read much steampunk. The only other steampunk I can even remember reading is your book, is the Nimbus series. Right. And I liked it, but by the end of it, I was like, I'm kind of okay with steampunk for a while. I don't need more. Yay! Yeah, uh, which was the entire point of it. Um, I've read the the first book. I've read Leviathan, and I have Behemoth, and I want to say the third one is Goliath. Um, I've got those, and I haven't read the other two. But the you're absolutely right that the setting is fantastic. I love the idea of the Darwinists and the the mechanists. I can't remember what their names were, where the artificers or whatever, where they're making machines, and then you have bioengineers on the other side. Like it's really it's a really really cool world and it's written uh for a young adult audience so it's not very um it's not dense which dense steampunk tends to put me off um which is why i wrote the book i did that austin and i wrote nimbus because it's a steampunk novel that we wanted to read because both of us didn't particularly like steampunk because it we don't like victorian steampunk and i came in and asked and i was like hey we should write a steampunk novel and his response was ew no and we wrote it because we wanted there to be steampunk for people who don't like steampunk that the concepts of gear punk and the concepts of this technology and the aesthetic are really really cool but so much is put off by the by the victorian parasols and i didn't want that and so there are moments in our book where we actually have stereotype 
there's one character in particular that I can think of. He is a stereotype of a steampunk character, and we literally blow him up as a metaphor of this is not what the book is going to be. So some steampunk when I write it. <clears throat> <clears throat> yeah, there's Ooh, that big look at that. You feel asterisk. That, 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 yeah, that ego. Mm. Yeah. Um, Gerald Thomas, when did you first decide to start the podcast? We kind of answered that already. Um, What was your thought behind the concept? So we call it Geek to Geek because we want to connect with other people who are into the things that we're into. And the idea is that you can geek out about anything. Like one of these days, there's going to be a, a scheduling conflict and one of us isn't going to be able to make it. I mean, it's inevitable mm-hmm. that it'll come up in a two-person podcast eventually. We don't have any evergreen episodes sitting there in the back burner for when that happens. But when it does, I'm not worried because we have other people around us that we can geek out about things with. Like, BJ, if you have an emergency come up, I'm going to do a podcast episode to fill in the gap, and I'm going to go talk to my wife about knitting. Like, that's yep. the first one that I have kind of mentally noted but there are a bunch of other people who geek out about all sorts of stuff i mean you know us we talk about movies and books and tv and video games and that's kind of the core of what we talk about most weeks not always but most of the time but there are so many people who geek out about so many different things and it's just about having passion for what you're interested in and bringing those people together to talk about it and that's kind of the core concept behind the podcast did i do okay yeah did I sell and, it okay and- yeah, you did. And I, I'm right on board with you because if you, you know, as you're moving into different parts of life and, you know, like we said, we'll have scheduling conflicts. And if you can't make it one, one, one night or one week or, you know, two weeks in a row, I've got friends who can geek out about stuff. I've got, I've got friends who can geek out about running and weightlifting. I've got friends who, like my wife, I could bring in and start talking about, uh, Honestly, she really geeks out about the portrayal of women in media and comic books in particular, like, like the the idea of you know Kamala Khan and how she's portrayed Wonder Woman through the years. Things like this where she can just geek out for hours about this stuff. And we typically do together and geek out about words. We can talk and geek about, about linguistics. And I have friends who can geek out about a hundred different things. And that's what's wonderful about this is we wanted a podcast that we would want to listen to. And we didn't want to just be another podcast of two guys railing on stuff just because geeks have to be angry and we have to be critical like negatively critical there's nothing wrong with criticism but there because you know we've been critical of things but there's no sense to rail on stuff just to be negative on it and we wanted this to be a positive thing that we were doing and putting out there so that we could listen to y'all so that you could listen to us so that we could together you know talk about things like adults in a clean atmosphere where nobody felt excluded and that we were real people that weren't sitting there just telling in jokes that we were talking to you guys and having in jokes with you guys between just instead of between just us perfect um and they also ask i'm a new developer any advice for applying to jobs um i would say and this is more general for applying to any jobs don't give up keep applying and network um network with the people you know but also reach out to companies you might be interested in and even if they don't have jobs posted you can ask to do informational interviews where you just go in and talk to people and almost every job i've gotten is from talking to this person that led me to talk to that person that led me to talk to a third or fourth or tenth person and then they have a job for me and it's not just by applying although applying is part of it and if you just keep applying eventually you'll get something um 
but yeah, that's that's my advice. Um, for me, you know, I'm a new developer. I just quit my job a few weeks ago and am in the same position as you. I'm applying and looking and talking to people and uh, you as in Gerald. And I, my thing is the exact same way. I think you should go look at meetup.com. One of the ways that I ended up getting some contacts and I have a weekly lunch that I have with some coders and developers in my town is that we set up and I just go and meet these people. I didn't know them before I went in, but we talked to each each other we have a slack channel now we talk on there we go you know we eat pizza every week or we eat mexican and we just talk about what's going on we you know one guy threw me at another job it didn't work out but i i still haven't heard back from them so it may work out eventually but i wouldn't have even had that opportunity if i hadn't you know looked at meetup and saw that there were people in my area looking to make other connections you can find people looking to to get together just to talk about what you're doing i mean i use right now i'm using a service called flex jobs f-l-e-x jobs and it's a paid service but i think you can get it for 30 dollars a year but it basically aggregates real jobs as opposed to like craigslist and they're all vetted and verified so that you can apply all in one place for actual real well-paying companies instead of just some dude on reddit who wants some help with his project so i highly suggest looking at that because i'm using it right now to uh to supplement income and have income not supplement it to have income uh and then their last question is i've been playing i've played board game called suspicions do you have any recommendations based on that i think um i would i haven't played that game so i don't have any recommendations based on that one but i would say just go back and listen to our board game episode because we throw out a ton of games that you can try and kind of dive in deep about why you would like one game over another so just go back and listen to that episode honestly there's a lot of good info there destin lee asks what is the process of your podcast recording and this is the question i was secretly hoping somebody would ask we i knew you would because this is you being able to lay out things and organize them we come up with the topic we have a whole topic list that's waiting for the weeks that we don't have something topical that's very like you know about events of the week um but usually usually we kind of come up with the topic off the top of our head um, as soon as we wrap up the last one within a day or two we have a topic locked down we take that and we'll make we make it's not really show notes it's kind of like um talking point notes and that's what the show notes are based on eventually but we make a document so we just have shared google docs which is what i'm looking at right now and I will go in and kind of flesh out the structure of the show and think about how the show will flow through the topic. And I'll put all the top level things in there. And then I'll come back through with sub things and start putting my own thoughts in. And I'll leave obvious spaces for Beige to come through. And then he'll come through and he'll add his own top level stuff, but he'll mostly flesh out. I mean, typically in a typical week, you mostly flesh out kind of what I have for the structure, wouldn't you say? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, because I'm really terrible at organizing things. This is one of the reasons I failed a lot. Not that failed as a teacher, but wasn't cut out for it, is because the kind of organization that you do is not my strong suit. Yeah, and that was one of the things that you said when we started. You were like, you're organizing. And I think I've said this a few times, but like... 30 seconds before we started recording the first episode, he said, you know, you're the host and you have to keep us on track, right? And I went, okay. So that's how I'm kind of in charge of making sure that we move along and get to the next topic and like cover everything we want to cover without taking three hours every time because we could. Because we would if I was in charge, you guys. I just want you to realize that. Yeah. And like, 
um, I'm the one who keeps an eye on the timing and stuff and just kind of pushes it or adapts different sections to make sure even on the fly like if we're going long you know i'll tighten up my half of geekery just to make it shorter things like that um and then we record while we're talking about things we try not to actually have full conversations on the topic ahead of time i mean we text about things all the time yeah just thoughts here and there but if it's a topic that we're going to actually spend a whole episode on we won't dive in deep in text and we do that on purpose because we know we'll mm-hmm. talk about it when we're recording and it's better to record for real while having a conversation than it is to rehash a conversation you already had so we both record individual files on our computers and then he sends his to me so that i have both full quality like wave files we use audacity to record because it's free and it's cheap and it works um i guess it's free f- and it's cheap it's free and it's cheap exactly and um i get the files i do post-processing on them in what do i use i use adobe audition these days audition yeah Yeah. and yeah i'm I'm just comfortable in the adobe production suite and i use it for work anyway for other parts of the adobe suite so i just have that so i bring them in i do a little post-processing um i do the edit and i used to be a full-time video editor for years i did tons and tons of video production so i'm super comfortable editing things and when i first started this it felt like cheating because i used to spend (laughs) (laughs) i used to spend like a month doing a three minute video right and getting perfection Uh to it so being able to spend a few hours to get an hour's worth of content is just it still kind of amazes me every week that we can do that because there's no video to go with it's so easy guys it's so easy compared to what i used to do um oh yeah compared to video audio really is cheating yeah so i do the post-processing i do the editing um typically we record for about these days for every like an hour and 10 minutes we record we usually get about an hour's worth of the final edit when we first started i would say uh, for every hour i would cut out maybe 15 or 20 minutes but we've gotten Mm -hmm. a lot better over time um some some weeks i'm only cutting out five minutes now so we're just getting better at like staying on topic and not having breaks in the conversation things like that uh after that i do exporting and then i convert it to the mp3 that gets uploaded and scheduled through Lipson. We use Lipson for our hosting. Um, so I schedule that out, and then I tell Beige that it's ready. And then he goes through and he does show notes based on what we talked about. Those are the actual show notes that you guys can see if you like dive deeper in your podcast app and tap on it, or if you're listening to this on one of the blogs where it's posted. So he writes those show notes and pastes them in into Lipson. And those are the ones that make it into the final feed. Um, the episode releases on usually Thursday night, but this one's going to release a little early. But whenever I have it scheduled out. And then we typically try to push it out a little bit on social media and blogs and stuff on the day after that it comes out. And that's kind of how it goes for the week. What, do you have anything yeah. to add? No, just, you know, going in, finding show notes, things like that, or finding links for the show notes that we'll spend time on. That if one of us doesn't know about the other, the thing the other one is talking about, we'll add individual links and in. otherwise I'll just go and find the links and uh, things like that. We, we go and we look at different projects and ways ways to improve the community, improve our quality of what we're looking for, seeing, you know, things that other podcasts are doing. We do a lot of research behind the scenes in terms of how to keep this afloat, 
honestly, uh, like with our geeky offer of the week and things like that that we've been introducing of finding ways that that this can be sustainable in the long term and so that we can put out more and better content for you guys. So even though we do this, we are looking at ways to expand things in the future, like being able to, you know, talking about getting the subreddit and getting that going and things like that. Yeah, yeah, we're always keeping an eye out for what else we can do to kind of expand so that like like the other question about what, you know, our mission statement or like what the podcast is about is about connecting with other people who are passionate about things. So we always keep an eye out for other ways to do that, which is interesting. Um, Their next question, your mics sound good. What type are they? Uh, Both of us have blue Yeti mics, which are just USB mics that you can plug in, but they're Mm -hmm. good ones. They I, I think when I bought them because I, I bought one i sent it to you because i wanted you to sound better it bugged me I, i'm the editor i have to listen to it and i, I have to do post-processing so it was worth it to me to buy you like a hundred dollar microphone and send it to you but i think i waited till it was on sale i think it was less than that um yeah if you guys are looking to do something similar there's another one by the same company it's blue but it's a blue snowball instead of a blue yeti it's a really good option and it's much cheaper i want to say it's like 40 bucks instead of like a hundred ish bucks but i mean I'm also used to professional audio equipment where a microphone can easily be two to six hundred dollars. Like, you know, yeah. so this was half the price of a typical like base level microphone that I was used to. And I was like, oh, yeah, that's that's fine. Yeah. So blue, blue checkup, blue Yeti, check out blue snowball. Uh, how much editing do you do? Uh, less now. I used to do a lot. I would try to cut out a lot of the ums and a lot of the breath sounds, a lot of the gaps. I st- <gasps> yeah, thank you. Um, yeah, of course. Like, I still cut out if there's an extended gap. Um, a lot of the time, if we have a thought and we get halfway through it and we totally mess it up, we will just kind of take a breath and then go back and re-say the same sentence again but that doesn't happen as much these days as it used to sometimes it does but i mean we're not ever cutting out huge chunks of content i'm cutting out little little mess ups here and there or if like you know if my allergies are bugging me and i'm coughing a lot like i'll cut out my cough you guys don't want to listen to me cough on the mic by accident um things like that but yeah I, i used to like i said it used to be for every hour we'd record i would cut out 15 to 20 minutes and now we're down to five to 10 minutes something in there and then it's yeah. in terms of like the time it takes me to edit um it's probably our recording time multiplied by about three is how long it takes me to edit so if you guess that a typical episode we record for an hour and 15 minutes multiply that out it probably takes me three to four hours somewhere in there to do the editing for it yeah probably so and then i'll get a message like okay it's all done and then i'm just amazed that it took that little amount of time because i've started doing something else and working on a different project when he's editing and all of a sudden i get a message like okay it's all done and i'm like how is it already done? Or it's really funny when we record at night, I'll, you know, he stays up late doing this and I just wake up and it's like, okay, it's all done. I was like, I feel like a real waste of space because I'm like, I was sleeping. <laughs> but that's, that's also how you became in charge of show notes. You're like, I have to do something every week to feel like I'm contributing to the, like the after we record part. And I'm like, okay, you're in charge of show notes done. Um, but yeah. Uh, have you made a conscious effort to not swear during the podcast? Yes. Yes. <laughs> I, uh, I appreciate you keeping it PG. Yeah, we did. Um, we, you know, there's no reason that we need to swear to get our points across on this podcast. No. Like, I have no problem with profanity. I use it 
the way in my real life, you know, I listen to plenty of things that have swearing. Uh, it's not an issue for me, but when we decided that we wanted this to be about geeky things and connecting all sorts of people, there's no reason to exclude people that don't like swearing. You know, there, there's no reason on this particular podcast with this particular topic that we would need to swear. So yeah. we just made the decision not to because then more people can listen. That was kind of the thinking behind it, right? And it's turned out, yeah, absolutely. Like that's that's really why it was that we wanted more people to be able to. And what really has amazed me through this about it people have noticed that you guys noticed it that i honestly didn't think anyone would notice that we didn't swear i really didn't think it was going to be a thing or a topic or a point that it was just something that he and i had set up that you and i had set up and never really thought about it and then people specifically said thank you for it like you did and i am amazed that it wasn't even I didn't think it was going to come up. And I'm super happy that it works out like this because I've got a mouth like a sailor and I really need to work on that. And my wife is always on me to don't say that. Don't say it like that. And this is good practice for me to honestly tone back the amount of profanity that I use that I'm trying. And honestly, this is, has helped me a great deal. Yeah. In some of the earlier episodes, I would catch you mid sentence be like, nope, re-say that. Um, yep. I, I don't really have to do that anymore more and you catch yourself when you do but i've had to edit out your swearing much more than mine i think i let yes. it slip one time by accident something i was very passionate about and then i immediately went no i gotta restate that um yep but yeah i mean it's conscious effort on both of our parts to just not swear it's not that hard for me i know you work on it but for me it's like oh whatever <laughs> it's okay yeah it's just I don't know. I, it's just part of my vernacular and I have to do I have to do better because I don't think there's anything wrong with it. But I also understand that it puts off more people uh, who don't want profanity than the number of people who and I know people who won't listen to things if they don't have profanity in them that I had. I I used to know people who would not go see a comedy if it wasn't rated R uh, because it was going to be too clean for them, that they didn't like it. But I think that the people you turn off by profanity are way, way more than the people that you would put off by not having profanity. Well, yeah, and this isn't like an adult comedy podcast either. So it's yeah. it's very it's a different beast altogether. Um, last question. Do your family and close friends listen to the podcast? maybe i think a couple of my friends do um i don't many i don't know many who specifically do um i know my wife doesn't she's never listened to an episode uh she's listened to moments that i've told her about where i mention her and she's gone and listened to those but she hates podcasts she hates audiobooks that she cannot sit and just listen to someone talking because she loses interest but as far as anybody so she doesn't listen to it but as far as anybody else I don't really think more than a couple do. Yeah, I have um, a few friends that listen kind of off and on casually. And then when we first started, my wife listened to every episode. She was very, very encouraging, lots of feedback. And I appreciate that a ton. But after we kind of got going and we have enough people listening and interacting and things, um, right. just this isn't her passion, the stuff that we're talking about for the most part. Yeah. So she doesn't listen week to week, which is totally fine because she helped me a ton right when we got started with just feedback and refining things. Um, my mom listens every week, guys. Hi, mom. 
Hi, mom. Hi, voice mom. <laughs> my mom listens every week, and it's awesome, and I love her for it, and it's fantastic. So, hi, mom. I know you're listening to this. That makes me very happy. But besides my mom, guys, yeah, yeah. But thanks, mom. And thanks to my wife, too, you know, at the beginning for listening to a lot. I just, you know, she doesn't anymore, and it's totally fine. Oh, yeah, and I don't want people to think that my wife doesn't support me on this because we talk about it all the time. She gives me ideas like, hey, you can talk about this on your podcast and stuff like that. She just can't listen to it because she gets bored of of any kind of audio. But she's super supportive on this and giving me a lot of feedback and stuff like that because she can hear me podcasting when I'm when she's here because I'm loud. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, with that, it's yeah. probably time for our weekly geekery. We're a little bit over normal time, but there were really good questions, so I didn't want to cut any of them back. And that's fine, since I'm the editor, and I will just edit a longer show than normal. Um, weekly geekery, if you don't know, it's where we share what we've been geeking out about this week. What do you have? No, wait, we have something that's the same. We're going to talk about that first. Okay. The blood mirror. Yeah. Okay, so you finished it at this point, and I, I have not. As of this recording, you guys are listening to this probably over a week after I were recording this, so I will have probably finished the book by then, and so I'm sure I'll geek out about it at that point. But The Blood Mirror is, a, is the fourth book by Brent in the Lightbringer Chronicles by Brent Weeks. And it, we've mentioned this on the books episode, I know. It is, and I finally started reading it, and it's fantastic. It is great. Like, I'd forgotten how much I love this series, and I realized that it's going to be not as fulfilling as it could have been because there's still one book after this, but I'm really hoping that this book illuminates a lot of the backstory that he's been leading up to. And you finished it, so you know where this goes, so... I finished it, so without spoiling anything, because I don't want to ruin right, anything please for don't. you. Um, it's a good book, and I like the story that they're telling, but all of the other books felt like it was a complete story, and then at the very end, there were maybe a couple little minor cliffhangers, yeah. or there was a quick reveal of new information that changed kind of everything you knew about the world. And that little bit right at the end, that little tease, would tie into the next book uh -huh. very well. So it works as a series, but each one felt like you got a great story out of it beginning to end. This book feels like half of a story and it's really good, but it just kind of stops. And this is set up for the last book. Having finished it, I can tell you this is going to flow into book five to finish the series extremely well. And I, I bet what happened was he wanted four books yeah and he then it got bigger than he wanted it to be and he had to split the book somehow and this is what we got so it's good i like it it's just it didn't finish like it you know it, it didn't give a full story arc that felt complete and then with little ties into the next one it felt like complete setup for the next book which could work and could not depending as you're not waiting on every individual book to be released, I think it could work better like that. But I'm invested in this world enough that I really, really am excited to read this without it. And you're right, I think I did read that he wanted it to be four books, and then it wasn't. That would not surprise me at all. Um, <laughs> or maybe he wanted it to be three books, and it turned out to be longer. One way or the other, the series is longer than he wanted it to be, which is why it feels like this. Uh, did you read Calamity this week, too? Um, I started Calamity. Okay. I realized that I hadn't finished it as of our book episode, and I have it on audiobook. And so I started listening to it as I've been running and going out for walks. So 
I want to know what happens with the Reckoners, and I had completely forgotten that I hadn't finished the series. That I read the first two in the short stories, but I didn't read Calamity. Yeah, that's the Steelheart series, which we talked about on the book episode, but it's good. If you haven't read that, start with Steelheart, because it definitely, you need to read that series in order to get it at all. Yeah, by Brandon Sanderson. By Sanderson, yep, exactly. Um, I And I also... Oh, go ahead. Oh, sorry. I also started Westworld, and I am all in. I wasn't going to watch it. Like, people tell me all about these TV shows, and I'm like, yeah, whatever. I'm so glad I listened to you about Westworld. It is unbelievably good. Like, we are probably going to do a full episode if we still have any time left at the in this year to talk about Westworld and do a whole episode on it. And if not, I guarantee you that this is going to be in the best of the year episode for me. Yes, Westworld is fantastic. And yeah, yeah, we will talk about it. I think, see, like we said earlier, we normally pick a topic like off the cuff at the end of the week, you know, and we just come up with something that fits for the next week. But mm-hmm. we actually have planned out most of December because we want to do a couple end of the year podcasts with our favorites from the year to just talk positively about things we liked. And then Rogue One is also coming out in December. So our December suddenly is full of things that we want to do. I think there's one spot in December and it'll be closer to the end of Westworld. So I think it might be a Westworld episode. But yeah, yeah, yeah Westworld is fantastic. We'll talk about it more for sure later for me do you see all these other ones on here these are do you have so many (laughs) these are steam games that i finally got back around to now that i'm done with gamefly so these were ones that i wanted and i waited until they were super cheap on steam or went on sale or whatever and then i grabbed them so i tried all of these this week you tell me which order you would like to hear them in based on the title alone I have to know about Owlboy, because I've looked at it myself, and I've wanted to know about it, and then I have to know about Cluster Truck. Okay, so Owlboy, you are an Owlboy. You are a boy who has an owl cloak that lets you Uh fly, and you're kind of a superhero guardian in the world. Not quite a superhero, more like a very well-equipped guardian, maybe, is a way to describe it. It's a platformer, though. It's a platformer that has some twin stick shooter elements to it, but it's not a twin stick shooter. Um, It's definitely a platformer. It's definitely exploring and like finding coins, finding hidden things, navigating levels, making your way through dungeons like temples and things like that. It doesn't feel quite like any other platformer I've ever played because you're flying almost the entire time, but it works and it's really good. And I'm, I don't know how far into it I am. I'm like four hours into it, but I don't know percentage wise how far that is, but I like it a lot and I'm going to keep playing it. So I don't have any final thoughts about it, but I like it. Good, because I've been looking at it and it's on my wish list and I can't wait for it to become cheap enough that I can justify the purchase, but it, it looks really cool. Okay. What's next? Uh, Cluster Truck. I don't even know what it is, but I love the name of it. Okay. Cluster Truck is a game that's a first-person platformer where a bunch of semi-trucks are driving crazily from point A to point B, and you have to make it to the goal by running and jumping on top of the semis while dodging things. Wow. That That does sound like a cluster truck. That is the whole game, and it's very physics-driven. It's not like 
pre-programmed routes that's always going to be exactly the same like when stuff starts bumping into each other and they hit the sides of things or run into each other like the physics get wonky and it gets very interesting because it's always slightly different the physics don't always compute exactly the same way and i'm assuming that pony island is a sim type game no like pony island is a trippy trippy game where I don't even know how to describe it. It made me feel kind of like Undertale or The Beginner's Guide last year or um, The Stanley Parable. Like those ones that kind of push you out of your comfort zone and they aren't what you think they are going into it. You know the kind of game I'm talking about, right? Uh Uh-huh, I do. That is what Pony Island is. So Pony Island's really cool and interesting and i don't want to give a whole lot away it starts out with just kind of a pony and it looks like almost an endless runner platformer but it's not it's not that Hmm. at all it's totally its own thing it looks really neat i've been looking at these on steam as you went away to take a call uh which for the listeners is no time at all but they look really cool actually pony island and the next one oxen free looks really cool so oxen free is one that i really like the idea and i like some of it but the execution kind of misses the mark so um, i'm not gonna keep playing it i played maybe two hours i feel like i'm probably halfway through it but i don't even want to push through it's it's teenagers on an island and they like sneak onto the island at the end of the night um it's one that like a ferry goes there off and on throughout the day you know like a little tourist attraction island and they sneak on the last ferry and they don't go back when they're supposed to so they're just gonna like camp out and have a fire and drink and hang out so they they kind of want to like wander off and explore and it turns not creepy but like interesting and weird and it's not horror it's definitely not horror um but it's very dialogue driven and everything is voice acted so it's all about like listening to these characters and you do have direct control over one of them. But what I found were there were two things in the execution that really pushed me away from it. Um, one was that with the voice acting, like I would do the actual like gameplay part so much faster than the voiceover would actually talk about things. Yes. So I kept triggering the next thing super fast and i never heard the end of a conversation for a really long time i would hear like half a conversation and then jump to the next thing if you didn't want that you would just have to go and not do the next thing and just stand there and wait and listen and i i hated that i hate that in games like i've i know exactly what you're talking about and it just frustrates me when that happens when i'm faster than the devs wanted me to be and this one suffers that problem horribly in the beginning and then you get to a point which is the point where i gave up where that is still a little bit of an issue but the bigger issue is there's no obvious way of like where to go it's not that it's so hard that i couldn't figure out where to go next it's that it took so long to walk to the next thing because the characters are excruciatingly slow. Um, it's like a point-and-click adventure game where you can't point-and-click and you actually have to move them with WASDA. And it was just oh. like, just get to the next thing already. Like, don't make me keep holding this one button to just have this character slowly walk across the screen. Um, but there were a lot of very interesting ideas in this. And I can see that, like, this is a developer to keep my eye on in the future. Does that right. make sense? Like, it, it got on my radar enough, and I like enough of what they're doing that I would love to see another story that they do that's more refined than this. So 
if they put out anything else, I'm going to keep an eye out for that. I like point and click adventure games, but not enough to, you know, invest a whole lot in mediocre ones. Yeah, and it's definitely in that mediocre category because of things like that, because of the execution, not because of the story. And like you said, maybe the developer will get better at it in the future and really improve kind of like I can't remember the name of the company who did Firewatch where, you know, Gone Home is good and Firewatch is magnificent. Exactly. So you had one other thing, right? Uh, Well, I had been running a lot. A lot of you guys who were listening to the Health Hacks podcast had been talking, had been listening to me talk about doing my run streak and getting back into running. And I lasted for 23 days. So I'm really excited to be back to running. I've been geeking out on running, reading about it, um, having magazines, just talking about it, watching documentaries about it. So I've been super geeking out on running lately and running for over three weeks in a row really got me used to doing it again and i'm going to be starting uh running a whole lot more than being the lazy uh and honestly this is no no not saying anything bad about anybody this is some completely on me i was super lazy and just didn't want to put in the effort and so 23 days of doing it made me realize yeah i can do this again so i'm super excited and really really been geeking out on running lately that's awesome good job I think that's about it for the week. Uh, you can write to us, as always, with comments, suggestions, or feedback. Our email address is geek2geekcast at gmail.com or reach us on Twitter at geek2geekcast. We also have longer discussion threads on the subreddit at reddit.com slash r slash geek2geekcast. And if you want to get email updates about any of our network's podcasts, you can sign up at geek2geekcast.net and you can just tell us which shows you want to see in your inbox. I blog almost daily at agreenmushroom.com, and you can find me at grnmushroom, that's green mushroom without the E's, on Twitter. I'm on Twitter as at Professor Beege, and I host the Geek Fitness Health Hacks podcast, and it lives at geekfitness.net. We've been Void and Beege with your Geek to Geek podcast. That'll do it for this week. See you next week, geeks. Bye, guys, and thanks for all your questions. We love you. 